Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the sixth episode, the Nicholas Latifi episode of the podcast. That makes this one a special one, since after all, this is a Canadian podcast. Uh, shout out to Nico Rosberg, though, as well. Um, another brilliant driver who also sported the number six. Uh, no, no race this weekend, of course, uh, but we have Imola coming up. The first of the sprint weekends and the first of the two Italian races. And it's been a long time since Ferrari raced here with uh, the lead in the championship. Imola, um, it's only been around, this will be the third year of the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. But it is actually a historic track, uh, formerly the San Marino Grand Prix. Um, It's a track that is unfortunately probably most famous for the tragic death of Ayrton Senna at the old Tamborello corner, um, crashed straight on uh, in one of the most high-speed corners on on the calendar that year uh, from the lead of the race. Um, I I do want to mention Roland Ratzenberger as well, also passed away that weekend in 1994, and I I find it sadly often often forgotten um, that he had also passed away that weekend. It's honestly one of the darkest weekends uh, in Formula 1 history. But I, I want to I want to mention him as well because it's not fair to him or his family that it just is always known as the the the, the weekend that Ayrton Senna passed away. You know, Roland Ratzenberger um, was a great driver as well, and he deserves his name to be mentioned. Um, but yeah, that Tamborella corner uh, has since been modified into a chicane instead of a flat out left hander. Um, which made the track much, much safer. And, you know, they continued racing there up until 2006. Um, So they didn't just stop right after 1994. Um, Michael Schumacher holds the most victories at the circuit with seven. Um, Was also the last driver to win there in 2006. Uh, Before it returned in 2020, uh, rebranded as the Emilio-Romagna Grand Prix. Um, It was added to the calendar, I think, just because of covid and, you know, not a lot of um, countries were hosting races that year. But Imola was able to go forward. And then in 2021, uh, it was supposed to be a one-off in 2020. In 2021, the Chinese Grand Prix was canceled. Um, and it came in as a replacement. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, he won in 2020. Uh, and Max Verstappen took the win in 2021. Neither won from pole position, which is, I think, maybe worth mentioning. But... Also, that doesn't really come in, um, doesn't really play a huge role here because, or I should say, it's not a factor because we've never had a sprint here. Uh, this will be the first sprint in Imola, um, which makes the whole dynamic of the weekend a lot different. So, yeah, who wins this time around? Um, it, it's really looking like a case of, you know, Will Max and, and I guess Sergio as well because he's also on a Red Bull, but it seems like Max has had the reliability problem so far, but... You know, they're both in the same car, so it could be Perez. Um, are they going to finish the race? Uh, it's been two out of three. It's not It's not ridiculous to question that, of course. Um, both times have been different issues, which I'm, I'm not really sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If it's the same thing, you think, like, oh, can they get this, like, under wraps, and then when they do, everything's going to be fine. If... if multiple things are breaking down, then it could be a fluke, but could also be seen as um, maybe a bigger problem with like the packaging or something along those lines. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, but I think if 
if you think that they're not going to finish, you know, you'd be crazy not to pick Charles Leclerc right now. He's in another league. Um, but, you know, I think Red Bull, I can't I can't predict them to DNF for the third time in the fourth in, in four races. So I got them finishing the race. Um, so obviously we have a qualifying on Friday, a sprint race on Saturday, and a race on Sunday. In the qualifying, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Perez on pole again. Last year, Perez outqualified Max. Um, I'm pretty sure was was last year's qualifying in the wet. Okay, I just checked. Imola qualifying was in fact dry last year, um, and I was I, for some reason I thought it was wet as well, but it wasn't. Because um, actually, one of the stories of qualifying I, I almost forgot about this was Lando Norris almost you know putting the car on pole. He probably would have been front row had he not um, exceeded track limits, um, which that would have been insane, right? I mean, Norris did go on to take pole in his uh, for the first time in his career in Russia later on that season. What a what a season for Lando Norris last year, especially in the first half. Um, but yes, I I totally forgot about that. And Lando did in um, he did end up taking a podium, and I think he qualified seventh. Um, because of the track limits violation but anyway last year Perez uh, qualifies ahead of Max Verstappen who was third on the grid Perez second Lewis Hamilton on pole like I had mentioned already um, so Perez this is a track that he does pretty well in in 2020 he was in I want to say he was in a podium place before he pitted for fresh tires um, he ended up finishing sixth. Uh, so he, this is a track that Perez does pretty well at. I'm going to say he qualifies on pole on Friday for the sprint. However, I got Max finishing P2 in quali and and beating Perez in the sprint to, I guess, take pole for the race. I know they, they actually changed who is technically earning the pole position. Last year, the winner of the sprint earns the stat of pole position, where this year, it is, in fact, the uh, the leader of qualifying. This will just go down as a sprint win for Max Verstappen, according to my prediction. Um, and I got Perez falling back to P2. Leclerc will stay in P3. Um, I got I, got, I didn't mention Leclerc, I think, is finishing third in qualifying. But, uh, yeah, I got him also finishing third which would be, I guess, his worst race result, even though it's on a feature race. And then in the race, I got Max. He's going he's gonna to take the win here. Leclerc's going to move up to P2 past Perez. But this is another... I, I'm mentioning how well Max fares here. Uh, sorry, Perez fares here. Max is really good at Imola. Uh, obviously won last year's race from third on the grid, took the lead off the start, which he had a ridiculous start last year, and then went on to win by 20 seconds. And he would have won in 2020 had he not spun off. He got past uh, Valtteri and Lewis. So look out for Max here is all I'm saying. Um, if, if that Red Bull car can, you know, Make it through the race. I think Max is going to fight back here. And what will be insane if this does happen is to start the season with two DNFs and two wins. I mean, the other two, you know, they would have been P2s. He probably wouldn't have won in either Australia or Bahrain. But, you know, just like the stats of that is is just wild. Like two wins, two DNFs to start the season. 
that's that's crazy. But um, that that'll be my prediction. I got I got Max winning the the uh, the race, rounding out the podium. As I said, Leclerc P two, Perez P three. I'll say Science P four. I don't think he's Science is not going to DNF again. Not in the way he did. You know, anything can happen with um, reliability. Of course, uh, Ferrari is looking reliable right now, but you know, it's almost it's almost inevitable that every car has like at least one problem this year, right? You'd think so. These engineers are brilliant, um, and so are the cars that they produced. But you know, in in the first year of these cars, it would be crazy to make it through the whole year without one reliability issue, right? So you never know. But I, I got signs P4 in this one. I don't think he's going to make another mistake like he did in Australia. Um, maybe a lame prediction, but I, I got the Mercedes again in P5 and P6. I'll put Lewis ahead of Russell um, this time around. Although, Russell Russell's pretty solid here in Imola as well. He was, he was in the points positions in 2020 before he crashed by the safety car. And then was great. Um, in 2021 before he crashed with with Bottas so he's actually never finished a race in Imola hopefully he doesn't continue that streak uh, but I'll, I'll put him behind Lewis my other point scores um, I'm gonna say Alonso Norris Norris is Norris is showing he's pretty good here last year that was phenomenal uh, Gasly and Bottas that, that'll be my four other point scores which means I, I did predict this last week, Ocon not scoring. Because um, that's going to be my bold prediction is that Ocon, you know, he scored 7th, si 6th, and 7th. Yeah, 7th, 6th, and 7th so far this year. An absolutely phenomenal start for him. And I don't want to predict bad luck on somebody. I'm actually a really, really big fan of Ocon. He's got the, the best story on the grid. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton's got a great story, and other drivers have great stories. Perez, um, Alonso, Vettel, all, the, all those guys have great stories of how they got to Formula 1. But none of them beat Ocon. None of them. If, if you don't know his story, I recommend uh, either just looking it up or go listen to Beyond the Grid uh, with Tom Clarkson and listen to uh, his, him talk about how he got to Formula 1 there. But anyway, I think his luck's going to run out a little bit here. Um, Alpine, they've said that they uh, prioritized performance ahead of reliability. And it seems Alonso's been kind of the one getting unlucky so far. I think that Ocon car has to break down soon as well. If Alonso just keeps getting the short end here, um, I think Alonso bounces back this week and Ocon is unfortunately the unlucky one. Um, he, he was, he's always been strong in the wet. He did well last year, but he's always been strong in the wet. Um, in 2020 though, also in Imola say he does make it through the race and doesn't have reliability issues. You know, he was, he was seven spots behind Daniel Ricciardo in 2020, who of course was his teammate in Renault. So yeah, that, that, that'll be my bold prediction. Just, I think Ocon finally loses that streak of point scoring. I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll predict a DNF. I hate to predict a DNF for somebody, but that's just what I, that's the type of car Alpine has, uh, has built, right? So um, the last thing I'll mention on Imola, Imola sorry, uh, the, I guess, makeup of the track. Uh, I've only watched one race uh, there. I've, I only saw the highlights of 2020. 
Um, and in 2021, um, it was it was an all right race. A lot happened, to be fair. But I think had had all that stuff not happened, like uh, Mick Schumacher crashing right at the end of the pit lane, and um, kind of the changing weather conditions, and the and the Lewis Hamilton spinoff, and you know a whole whole bunch of stuff happened. Oh, of course the the Bottas and Russell crash. Um, it was a hectic race, but the actual racing there is it's a bit subpar. And it's also just a bit of a weird track for the modern F1 car, I think. It's interesting, but a bit weird. And uh, the only overtakes usually happen at the extremely overpowered start-finish straight with the DRS. Um, I'm not really sure it's a great track for the sprint either, to be honest. But hey, we're about to, we're about to see this weekend, aren't we? Um, so I think last year, I know the sprints were Monza, uh, Silverstone and Brazil. This year we have Brazil again, I believe. And then Imola and Austria. And I think that, I, I don't think Imola was one to try it out on. I think there was probably some other tracks like even Bahrain. I know you're not going to start the season with a sprint, but I think Bahrain would be a very interesting sprint race. Um, Imola, I don't know. I don't know. We're about to find out for sure. I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say like, you know, what makes a great sprint race? I think you want a track where there's overtaking. So I wouldn't say like, you don't want to do a sprint at like Hungary or Singapore. I think you want, I think you want a track with lots of spaces where you can overtake. But you never know. Maybe maybe they're about to prove me wrong because you know F one should know better than me where to put a sprint race. I don't know. Maybe they want one in Italy. They moved it from Monza to Imola. Maybe maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But I don't really see it being a good race for uh, a good track for a sprint race. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about the sprints, but I'll quickly mention there's been a lot of rumors about upgrades coming to Imola for a lot of teams. Um, a big one being a new floor for Mercedes. I haven't heard anything recently about that. That was more of like a before Australia, Australia rumor that they weren't going to come with any huge upgrades, which I mean, they, they did with the rear wing. Um, Bonato, the team principal of Ferrari has stressed, uh, there's not new upgrades coming for Ferrari and Red Bulls also downplayed possible upgrades, just calling them a part of the evolution. But I guess we'll find out. I haven't seen anything actually recently about upgrades coming for Imola, but it was it's weird because just a week before, it seemed like Imola was like the place everyone's going to be bringing big upgrades. So I guess we'll find out for that too. Um, so yeah, let, let's talk about the sprints. Um, There's a lot of chatter last year about whether they worked, whether they were good. Some people did not like them. Other people were like, this is great. Um, so I was gonna I want to break them down in a bit of like a pros and cons or at least what I see as pros and cons um, So I guess I'll start with what I think is good about the sprint um, The number one thing that makes the sprint weekend great is That there's more meaningful racing and less practice the traditional uh, three practices qualifying and race um, versus the I guess it's each day too, right? Versus the practice, then qualifying, then another practice, then sprint, and then the race. So only two practice sessions. You get something meaningful every single day of the weekend. And 
I mean, that, that's what that's what people want to see, right? The practice sessions, they can be entertaining in their own right, but never as entertaining as a qualifying session or a race. So it just kind of changes the, well, I guess that segues into my next, my next one is, you know, it's just something new. It's something that's different from the traditional um, structure or format, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, of course, that, that makes something exciting. And... I think another another small reason why the sprints are great is there's a bit of a higher chance for uh, a driver to find themselves out of order. Um, qualifying, you know, qualifying is qualifying. I don't think that part really changes, but in a sprint, you know, there's more likely for something to happen during a race. Um, so having a sprint to determine the grid for the race, there's more likely something um, drastic happens that, you know, send someone to the back of the grid like in Monza Pierre Gasly going off into the gravel uh before the race sent him all the way back had there not been a sprint you know he probably qualifies in the top 10 where he was basically all year last year and possibly goes on to have a better result in the race than having to start from the back uh so I think that those are the good things about a sprint but as for the bad things this is I'm um, starting out with I think the number one problem that people have with the sprints is that it creates a bit of boring racing uh, with drivers not wanting to take as many risks it's not worth as much but that's why I think hopefully these these new changes um, bringing the points for the top eight instead of the top three um, and a lot more points because you know it's eight points for first place as opposed to three last year. So hopefully a little bit more risks are being taken, especially like in the midfield, trying to grab that one point for eighth place and stuff like that. Instead of like, you know, if you're not in a top team, you know, you're not finishing top three. So what's the point of going for it to finish one spot higher on the grid tomorrow that you might lose into turn one? Like it, I think those changes are going to make it better. But last year, like Silverstone, um, Perez, I think, spun off in the sprint, which obviously was not good at all for him in Red Bull. Um, but it was a pretty boring sprint race. I'm not going to lie. Uh, right off the bat, we get Max taking over, uh, overtaking Lewis. And then after that, like after the lap one, it was like a snooze fest, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it's still it's still arguably better than a practice session, right? So... Um, that, that's why I think the sprints are great, but of course there's also no pit strategy in a sprint race. It takes a bit away from the hype of qualifying, having it on Friday, you know, it's, if you finish on pole, it's not like, oh, like this guy starting the race in the front, you know, he's still gotta, he's still gotta perform in the sprint. So I don't think that's much of a con, but I do, it does take a bit of away from quality. And then kind of the opposite argument, uh, to something new is that it's not traditional. You know, some people appreciate tradition and don't like the change which i think is a bit of a maybe a whiny statement but you know there are a lot of traditionalists out there that that don't like they don't want to see the change so overall i think sprints are great but they have to remain in moderation because you can't have a sprint at a track like hungary and singapore and could you imagine a sprint at monaco could you imagine a sprint race at monaco that would be awful awful Especially if somebody qualifies good, they have a mechanical issue in the sprint and they lose that great qualifying session they had that should have um, meant something in the race. Although I guess if, if you have a mechanical issue, 
then who's to say you wouldn't have had that same issue in the race. But you know where I'm going with this. It just qualifying, the best qualifying session is in Monaco. To have a sprint there is just, it's just unnecessary, you know. it's it, We don't need to see two parades. We already have the one. Um, so, yeah, that's all I'll say about the sprint. And because, you know, like there's no race to review, and I don't want to just end it after talking about Imola. Um, and the last time we had no race to review, we know we had a huge, we had the huge news of F1 coming to Vegas. This time there, <laughs> there's no big announcement like that. So I thought I'd get a bit creative and we do something a little fun here. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to build my perfect driver. And by that I'm, I'm picking, um, a multitude of categories and I can't use the same driver it, like their trait twice. So for example, um, I have quality pace as a trait, uh, racecraft, experience, consistency, and, and a few others. And I'm going to pick, you know, for example, if I thought Nicholas Latifi had the best consistency on the grid, I would say I would pick Nicholas Latifi. I, I'll take his consistency to build the perfect F1 driver, in my opinion. And then I can't pick Nicholas Latifi for anything else. So taking something from a different driver for each one also takes a bit of strategy, you know, because let's say I think Max Verstappen has the best racecraft and the best quality pace. I have to choose which one of his traits I think is stronger and, you know, maybe not take someone else who I think has... Um, or maybe not take Max for either because I want some, him in a different category. And I think someone else, like their only strength is in one of those categories. So anyway, that, I think that's enough explanation. I think you guys have get it. Um, so let, let's start. Uh, I think I'll start with quality pace. And uh, I think the best qualifier on the grid is probably Max Verstappen. But there are plenty of great qualifiers on this grid. Lewis Hamilton's a great qualifier. Valtteri Bottas is a great qualifier. Lando Norris. Um, but my pick is Charles Leclerc. I'm taking Charles Leclerc's quality pace because he's always been extremely strong relative to his teammate. I think his biggest issue over the years has been sometimes pushing a bit too hard. You know, uh, at one point in his career, Leclerc had crashed in like 17% of his races. Just because, you know, he he's that fast and he has that tenacity that you need in qualifying to um, to, qual to qualify well. To stick your car up there um, in quality, you know, you have to be right on the edge. And Leclerc has, Leclerc has that. And I think just as he's matured a little bit, he's been able to, you know, learn to not push too hard. It's also easier this year when uh, you know... Uh, you don't have the car, or sorry, you do have the car. Last year, you know, he doesn't have the car, so he's trying to push harder, and sometimes that had led to mistakes. This year, you know, you have the car, and, you know, he's showing that he is a force to be reckoned with in qualifying. He destroyed Marcus Erickson in his rookie year, beat Sebastian Vettel, beat Carlos Sainz in qualifying, and he's beating Carlos Sainz again this year. Um, So... He's he's only really had a few races in his career with the fastest car on the grid that you could say, um, and he already has eleven pole positions. You know, Charles Leclerc I think is absolutely special in qualifying, and it is 
arguably his strongest uh, part of him as a driver. So I'm taking his his quality pace. As for racecraft, um, I think this one is a no-brainer. It's Sergio Perez. This guy has absolutely elite racecraft, top end of the grid. Sure, he, I wouldn't say he's the best driver on the grid. I don't think that. Probably not even in my top five. And I'm not trying to disrespect Sergio Perez, but in terms of racecraft, you could argue he is the best on the grid. And it's absolutely the strongest skill in his arsenal. So it would be silly to, you know, waste uh, like a Max Verstappen or a Lewis Hamilton of so many good traits and not just take Sergio's racecraft when, you know, it's arguably the best on the grid. So I don't really think I have to justify this one. You know, we saw Abu Dhabi last year holding up Lewis Hamilton, an absolute masterclass. Turkey, also that battle with Lewis. Ridiculous is Sergio. Um... So let's move on to experience. And I got Fernando Alonso in this one. I, I'm having him edging Lewis. Um, they're both extremely intelligent drivers. But I just give it to Fernando because I think I think he, like, you know, David Cro uh, uh, Crofty, you know, he always calls him the wily old fox Fernando Alonso or whatever he says in the commentary. Because um, Fernando's just that type of driver. He is brilliant. Um, and you know, he's going to have the most race entries by the end of the year. So why not take him? Um, so now I have one that I guess I didn't say in the example awareness and kind of in this one is kind of like a lack of making mistakes and accidents. And it's also a bit of racecraft, I guess, and like IQ. Um, but it's mostly to do with just, you know, keeping your car on track and bringing it home in one piece. And my choice here might be a little bit shocking. And it's Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, when, when's the last time that you remember Daniel Ricciardo climbing out of a wrecked car, sessions red flagged? You know, it's because you, you don't. He It's probably 2018 Azerbaijan when him and Max uh, collided, of course. And I think that was also a bit of a... Uh, a bit of like it was inevitable almost that race like they were just battling and battling and of course they were battling kind of all season and Ricardo was definitely feeling the pressure of a rising star and the team that he thought was his um and yeah I, I don't need to dive into that whole thing but Ricardo is is never never crashing like he it's he seems like he he DNS a lot but those are because of mechanical issues not, not because of his driving. Um, I guess actually, Azerbaijan in 2019, when he uh, had that had that weird incident with Kvyat, and then he put the car in reverse and then reversed into him. That was just weird. But that was also like kind of just a special circumstance. I feel like I can't think of any other time that Ricardo has just shunted massively, crashed his car. So, you know, I think I think. You know, you could go with Lewis here, but then, you know, Lewis crashed a couple times last year. Cops, uh, Monza, uh, the whole weird thing in Imola. Ricardo, I guess, did crash in Hungary, but that's not his fault. Leclerc, who was hit by Stroll, went right into the back of him. That's, yeah, that's not Ricardo's fault. He, he I can't think of any at-fault collisions. So I guess that's, that's all I, that's all I'll say. 
Um, so now consistency. Now I'm going with one of the best drivers on the grid, Max Verstappen. This one might also be a bit surprising. I think when people think of consistency, they always talk about Carlos Sainz because of that streak that, I mean, literally just broke last week, but he had the streak of the points finishes. Um, but that's also a lot to do with luck. Um, Max, if you take out Hungary last year, because um, he finished the race with half a car, so it literally shouldn't count. But his streak of finishing top two when he doesn't DNF, is still going with his one win and two DNF so far this year. Last year, he was top two every single race besides Hungary that he didn't DNF. Um, early in his career, he was far from consistent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all I'll say. Anyone who watched Max early in his career knows that he was a bit uh, of a wild one out there on the track. But now, I think, I, I, give, this over, I give this to Max over someone like Sainz or Lewis, He's there every single weekend, whether his car suits the track or not. Um, I, when does Max have an off weekend? He never puts a foot wrong, it seems. He is just, he's hes different. he He's nice with it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, so there's two more. Uh, second last one is wet weather driving. Uh, this one pains me to say, I'm not going to lie. I'm going with George Russell. Yes, I'm going with him over Lewis. George Russell, Lewis's teammate, is a better wet weather driver. Lewis is still left, um, but I'm not picking him. He's had one of the best wet weather drives I've ever seen in Silverstone 2008. He won the race by over a minute and was just like from fourth on the grid too. It's not like he just from pole pulled away. He got a great start, was behind his teammate, overtook his teammate, went on to win the race by over a minute. A couple strategy calls definitely helped in there, but there's no question. He was absolutely brilliant that race um, in 2008. He, at one point, was one of the only drivers left on intermediates. He was going faster than the drivers on wet weather, but, you know, everyone was spinning off left and right, and Lewis was just going and had incredible pace the entire race unbelievable but we're not here to talk about britain 2008 we're here to talk about why russell is my choice over lewis now because in 2021 lewis was i don't want to say shocking in the wet but the wet wasn't his friend in 2021 um the russia pit lane incident and then going on to spin on the drying track with softs um cold sauce but still Russia was not great for him. Uh, Hungary, you know, drying track. It's not really a wet weather driving thing, but he should have recognized that was a drying track. Yes, he was probably a little bit worried about having his, you know, he had to pit first, the whole queue going through. But still, that was just a weird one, and he he should have he should have known to pit. Um, and then, of course, in Spa, this is probably the big reason why is George Show qualified him in Spa in the wet, a long lap. Plenty of plenty of times to you know use the power of that Mercedes car to out qualify someone in a Williams. Yes, Williams nailed their strategy that weekend as well in qualifying, but you know that was the best quality lap of the season for for anyone. So as far as I'm concerned, George had a better season in the wet. Um, of course, Lewis also ruined his race in Imola, spinning off the the red flag saved him. But George would have scored points in Imola had he not crashed with Bottas. 
He also benefited from the changing conditions in a good strategy call in Russia, uh, qualified P3, ahead of Lewis again. Um, and, you know, sure, it, w- it was lucky what happened, but he still made it into Q3. So I, I, I rate George in the wet, and I'm taking him over Lewis. I, I think... Lewis is still one of the best wet weather drivers. And I think, honestly, Max Verstappen would be my choice for best wet weather driver right now. And there's guys like Ocon and Stroll who seem to always have it in the wet. But I'm going with Russell here over Hamilton after that after that year he just had. And the last one, a little bit of a fun one, uh, is the off track. So basically, my, my interpretation of this one is just everything to do with off-track stuff like personality, financial backing, uh, feedback they give to engineers, all those types of things. Um, and my choice, my choice is Lando Norris. Actually, um, yes, he's young. Probably doesn't give the same type of feedback as like a Sebastian Vettel. And you know, Vettel Vettel's really likable too. But Lando, with that young social media following, sure, he's he's not really. His, his parents are rich, but he's not like a pay driver. So he doesn't have that either. But that social media following, great with the media. Hilarious. Like what just happened with in Australia after the race with Albon is awesome. Him and Ricardo are just pure entertainment off the track. And I already used Ricardo for, um, for the awareness, which honestly could have gone to Lando as well. He like never crashes either. Spa was on an absolutely treacherous track, so that shouldn't even count. I guess he did kind of like a bit of a weird incident in Brazil with signs as well, but either one of them could have took it. But I'm giving Lando Norris off track. Um, he's got a, just a massive, massive following, and he's so young. He, he's going to be a superstar in this sport for years to come, so he's my off-track choice. So... That is my perfect driver. Um, summarizing it real quick, I've got um, my quality driver is Charles Leclerc, race calf Sergio Perez, experience Fernando Alonso, awareness Daniel Ricciardo, consistency Max Verstappen, wet weather George Russell, and off track Lando Norris. Now, there's obviously a massive omission from my choices, and that is Lewis Hamilton. I I mentioned him in the wet weather and experience and awareness, and that's because he he really was a runner-up for literally every category. Great qualifier, has good racecraft, experience, one of the most experienced drivers on the grid, Um, very consistent, you know, off track. He is his style, and he's he's the biggest superstar of the sport, let's be honest. and what makes him so special is that, you know, he is the full package. He was a runner-up for every category. I can't say the same about every driver. Um, even Max. I, I can't I can't say that I'd give Max um, the best awareness uh, because, you know, he's still a very aggressive driver. I can't say I'd give Max the best experience. Um or off track, I definitely wouldn't give Max off track either. Uh, so that that's just what makes him special. I just couldn't put him at the top of any specific category, but I did want to just you know justify why I didn't put Lewis 
on any of them. Like, you know, he's, he's literally my favorite driver. I haven't said that on this podcast yet. I don't think, you know, I, it's called break bias, but I guess I've been trying to stay a little bit unbiased so far. Um, and he, he really is my favorite driver on the grid, but it, I just didn't really make sense to, uh, to put him in any category in my opinion. Anyway, uh, just so before I wrap it up here, I want to mention that this week will be the first of our bonus episodes. So check in on Thursday, uh, probably Wednesday night, Thursday morning is when that'll be going up. Um, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast what this is going to be. This is going to be with the founder of my online racing league. We're going to talk about all about sim racing. He's a great guy. We're going to talk a little bit about Formula One as well, of course. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. And I'll finally have an interview to uh, to give to you guys instead of just me rambling on for, for a while. <laughs> I'm sure you guys will like that. Um, and, you know, I always shout out our league but right before I wrap it up. Um, this week we are taking a week off. It's our mid-season break. Um, we'll be back next Friday. But I'll still say, you know, if you want to check out any old races, because it's still great fun. Last Friday was an absolute banger in Silverstone. I wasn't there, but I watched it on the bus on the way to Syracuse. Uh, so, yeah, go to YouTube to watch those. We got a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram. So look up Raleigh Racing uh, to get our races with commentary or you know, you can go to my Twitch and watch other old races. Silverstone's not on there, but my Twitch name is B-Crazy. Uh, so yeah, that'll do it for the Nikki Latifi episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back later this week with the bonus show and, of course, episode 7 next Monday after Imola. Goodbye.